Welcome to the Best of MBS podcast, a collection of the best interviews hosted by Michael Bungay-Stanier, best-selling author of The Coaching Habit and How to Begin. Today's interview is from the We Will Get Through This podcast. Here's your host, MBS. When I started my company, Box of Crayons, one of the things that I was determined to do was to not create training and learning experiences that sucked <laughs> because there's a lot of that about. And there's many ways a learning experience can suck, but one of the ways that it almost always sucked would be the quality of the slides, the PowerPoint that was delivered. I was like, oh my goodness, I can feel my soul slowly withering as I sit in this room watching information being presented in a non-intuitive, ugly, and just dispiriting way. And when I started the company, there was a figure that loomed large on the landscape about how to make stuff look awesome and be awesome. And that person was Nancy Duarte. And how lucky am I to be able to talk to her today? So let me give you the formal introduction. She is a communication expert who's been featured in, it's a long list, Fortune and Forbes and Fast Company and Wired and the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times and Cosmopolitan and many more. Um, her firm Duarte, which is based in uh, Silicon Valley, is actually the global leader behind some of the most influential visual messages in business and culture, and has created more than a quarter of a million presentations. As a persuasion expert, Nancy has cracked the code for effectively incorporating story patterns into business communication, and is also a Harvard Business Review con contributor. She's written five best-selling books, and they are terrific, starting with Slideology, uh, Illuminate, Resonate. Her latest, which is really terrific and perfect for right now, is Data Story. And four of those have won awards and have been translated into 11 languages. And Nancy's a friend, so I get to hang out with Nancy as well, which is just a bonus for me. So, Nancy, hi. How are you doing? You're so fun. That intro was so fun. Thank you. Oh, I my pleasure. I adore you. You know how much I adore you. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember reading Slideology and basically walking around my office going, see, why didn't somebody tell, why, didn't, why doesn't everybody read this damn book? Because, <laughs> God, PowerPoint. Oh. And I know, I know designing presentations is actually just one small part of what Duarte does, but it was mm -hmm. so influential when that came out. It was amazing. Yeah, I think uh, nobody had really translated design into business speak, but I, right. I kind of rev that book, man. I'm getting emails like, why is there a flip phone in your book? Because <laughs> it was <laughs> 2008. So. Wow, 2008. It, wow. it feels like when you started, Slideology was about really – let me show you some principles of design so mm -hmm. you can bring some elegance to how you tell a story um, in a business setting. But it feels as, you're, as you've written further books, you've become increasingly a champion for, let me tell you how to tell stories that are uh, based in data, but that engage the heart and the mind and the soul and provoke action. Mm -hmm. Why why are so many of us so bad at telling stories? <laughs> Why is it so hard for people? I think some people are good at storytelling when they've had a cocktail in their hand and they're right. With friends, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's because people don't understand how powerful it is in, in business. And I use the word story almost as a framing device. So there's storytelling, mm -hmm. but I'm saying, well, the construct of a story itself is the most powerful way that we can communicate. And I think it's scary. It's, it's um, you know, the communication skills gap. It's the largest skill gap that there is in the world right now. People don't know how to communicate and it right. takes time. It takes commitment. It takes taking some risks and failing and learning from it. 
and and people who tell stories are are uh, just by the nature and pattern of a story it requires that you understand that you're flawed and that's a big part of a story because the construct of a three-act structure is this really likable person yeah. and they, they encounter all these hardships and some yes. of them they deal with right, some of them they deal with wrong. And then from the hard hardship, they emerge transformed. And that's the three-act story structure. And so, so many people don't want to stand up and be like, hi, I'm flawed. I've had all these, I've had these horrible things, you know, dealt at me and I did yeah. some things right and did some things wrong, but I'm changed because of it. So just the construct itself requires a leader to be transparent and authentic. And a lot of people don't think you should do that at work, which always fascinates me. Yeah. Now, if I'm, if I'm playing a devil's advocate, particularly at a difficult time, I and mean, we're interviewing this in the midst of COVID-19, but just in general, when, when the heat is on, Mm-hmm. one of the arguments is to go, look, let's just stick to the facts here. What we need here is none of this storytelling. What we need is just the data so we can make the decisions. Um, my sense is you're going to tell me that may not be the right answer, but tell me why it's not the right answer. It's not the right answer because right now people need meaning in their lives. They mm. need meaning and honesty and clarity. If you don't have all the answers, you just say, I don't have all the answers. So right. this is my fifth rodeo. This is the fifth downturn pony. My shop is ridden 32 years. Right. So the first one was the 1989 earthquake. The second one was a great big layoff at Apple in 92, just almost obliterated my business. And I learned yep. from it. Dot com, dot com uh, yep. crash cu- yes. coupled with 9-11. Like that was one. 2008 was another. So this is my fifth. So what I did is we had a staff meeting and my husband and I sat on a couch and we told five stories of resilience that we learned through those five downturns. People were crying. I mean, it was just, it was really, really unbelievable. I didn't make a promise any of them would have a job. We just demonstrated that we had made smart decisions that were still in business for 32 years, longer than almost every brand in the Bay Area. Yeah. And that's because we, we know how to adapt and we know how to adapt in these situations. Oh my God. And, and everybody, and the crazy thing is, because we both have training businesses, my team in one week, they were so inspired. We only had one virtual workshop done. They, they flipped. They, they built five of them into virtual workshops. They were staying up till two, three in the morning so we right. could launch that very next week, start to bring con. It, I, it, I think that week was our finest. Mo- I mean, I can, I'm, I'm getting emotional. Talking I can hear it. Yeah, I was just like, I can't, so I can't even utter some people's names that just came forward that week and yeah. just moved me beyond belief at what they accomplished in one week um, in service of building a really uh, brilliant product. So if I'm sitting here going, Nancy, this sounds interesting-ish, um, <laughs> but I don't really know how to tell a story. I, when I have a cocktail, I try and tell stories and everybody <laughs> drifts over and finds somebody else to talk to and, and drink another That's cocktail. How do I, how do I, where do I start in trying to construct a story? You know, you, um, the best and most impactful story told in a moment, in a situational moment is one that gives the other person the emotional fuel they need in that moment. So it isn't really about, oh my God, I ran into this person in the elevator just now. (laughs) That, That doesn't help anybody. And so there's a way for stories to do a handful of things. There's a situational coaching story that can Mm -hmm. be told right then. And it's like, well, let me tell you a story how I solved that 
same similar situation. There's also a bonding story. I think right now there's people that just need that. They want bonding and meaning and connectedness. So sometimes we tell stories just to bond. So we hold, we hold what we call story nights at my shop where we just get together and everyone just tells a story and it triggers other stories. And then everyone leaves almost feeling like they just had church. I mean, it Mm -hmm. is that good and there's stories just to bond then there's bigger transformational stories persuasive stories where you're you're either wanting the individual or the organization to transform in some way so there's a and then there's um meaning stories we call them um, um like um cultural stories like right. what are the stories you need to tell every day your employee wakes up they're hit feet their feet hit the floor and they're making a decision to walk into your firm instead of someone else's. What are the origin stories? What are the value stories? What are all the stories that, that shaped your culture and your values? And those are uh, like the reason to believe stories. So those are the four types of stories everyone needs to be able to tell. And then, and then you, you tell the situational ones based on the emotional fuel the person needs right there in that moment. Say more about that because I get that on an intellectual level, but how would I even n- know what the emotional fuel is that somebody is looking for? I think it's knowing. Um, Illuminate touched on that a little bit. There's yeah. a moment like there's this moment where you've just uh, stated what a big dream is. So there's this um, kind of an inspirational story, and then there's mm-hmm. a, a story where you need them to make a commitment. There's commit stories. And then there's that messy middle where they're really struggling and they're, right. they're, they're, it's just a real struggle. And we would call those fight stories or climb stories. A fight story is a story that emboldens them and makes them brave. Yeah. A climb story is a story that makes them feel like they could endure. I can keep going. I can yeah. keep going. And then an arrival story is we made it. It might be we made it and won. It might be we made it and lost. But yeah. there's a real construct to the types of stories people need and what they need to hear. And I've noticed as a leader, Michael, I don't know if you feel this way, but I noticed my emotional energy is different in different seasons. So mm-hmm. the other day, I got really fired up because I could see what my organization needed to do in about two years, who we needed to become. So I'm having a day like right, last yeah. week that was a really dark day for the rest of the world. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm alive. I'm alive. <laughs> so exciting. I'm, I know. Yeah. I'm drawing pictures. I'm drawing models. And I'm, yeah. I'm and then I thought, oh, and I had to hop on an employee call. And so I was like, okay. And I had a really Turn it down, Duarte. Yeah. And we did a really cool thing. We did like an ask me any ask Nancy anything. Right. So we set up a slido. It's S L I period do and and your employees or whoever can vote up an answer. And I said, I will I will answer the top five questions voted up right and I knew it would be things that would know their that they wanted to promise their job was secure or whatever you know and so I had to complete I was I was like all fired up I actually changed my clothes I didn't I wasn't somber but I knew the tone I couldn't show up the way I was actually feeling emotionally so as leader you you have to show up with the right emotional stance and with the right answers in the right tone and I got a I got a lot of feedback about sincerity honesty yeah I caught when I didn't know I said I didn't know I explained where I'm getting my data from and and I was open to them feeding me more information so I could be more informed it was just you just got to show up the way you're supposed to be yeah so part of what you're saying is having that degree of awareness to going, what does this person, what does this audience need from me right now? You know, what's the tone for me to strike? What's the, the, the theme that would serve them most in the story that I'm going to tell them? So when you, I'm just thinking back to you where you started, which is like we sat down and I said, we've gone through five downturns before. Let me mm-hmm. tell you five stories. 
did you consciously construct five different types of stories or were they all kind of struggle and climb the mountain stories? How, do you, I'm just curious yeah. to know how much you constructed that or how much you just went, look, I'm Nancy Duarte. I'm a natural storyteller. I'm just going to sit down and tell you this stuff. We kind of sat down and told the stuff. So my husband joined me. So he founded it and then he let me take it over a couple years in, but he's still a, a real source of wisdom and, mm -hmm. and life in the organization. So he and I just briefly talked about it the night before and we decided it was what was, what of our values was shaped in that moment. Oh, so nice. each of them had a values. I wrote a piece about it on LinkedIn last right. week. I, I, saw kind that. Of, I kind of shaped up the stories and I, what happens in every downturn for a leader is our resilience gets tested, but our character gets tested and our values get tested. And I do feel like my character has been tested and I feel like not character. Um, that's not the right way. My, my, um, value systems. Do I value money or people? Right. What do I value more? Right. Am I making a decision? What, what, where's the core of my decision coming from? Right. So right. one of the stories that was the most moving to my employees was actually how, uh, at the 2000 downturn, um, dot com that whole thing that happened then was that uh, I held a, a couple of people over the barrel for money and could have bankrupted them. And we chose instead to forgive $354,000. And right. it was really about forgiveness. The, the lesson there was um, uh, pay it forward. Right. And, and that's kind of where our generous expert values come from. So many of our values come from decisions we make in the hard times. Right. Not decisions you make in the good times. So if we're not willing to talk about the hard times, we'll never understand the values that were forged in us because of the messy middle of our story. I love that, Nancy. I mean, I'm loving the connection between understanding what your values are and how important that is, but how elusive values can sometimes be because, you know, you laminate them and they, they slowly die a death on a wall somewhere. Um, but to know that one of the things that breathes life into values is the stories that, mm -hmm. that illuminate them, which is like, mm -hmm. you know, what I think I heard you say is that generous expert was a value or something like that. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so I get that. That's a neat, catchy little phrase and memorable and the like, but I don't really get it. But as soon as you tell that story about, you know, we had assorted people and rather than push them and maybe bankrupt them, we were like, we'll forgive this because we're playing a larger game and we stand in the space of generous expert. So then I'm like, oh, that's what it means. Yeah. Live it's, and be this value. Yeah. It's the whole karma, right? You reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. if we, and and so that's kind of why we, like in this season, like you, right? What can we just give away? What can we just open right. source that we would normally get monetary value from? Because right now it's not about that. This isn't a season to try to make money. Well, some of the farmers are, <laughs> right. but it, it's like right now is a season to give back. And so because that's so deep seated in the organization, they're like, we should give this away and this away for free. Like my, my, And I'm just like, absolutely. And they're empowered to do that because they know that's deep, deep in our values is you sure. give you actually give to receive it's like a it's like a payback it's like you, you give away and then it'll come back in some form and you just know it will so I'm, I'm curious around almost some of the technical aspects of telling a story well because mm -hmm. you watch a great storyteller and just as you're saying you're like you know what I feel like I will now run through that brick wall for you <laughs> or I now feel fully committed to you know, the short-term fight or the long-term journey or whatever it might be. You know, there's something magical when you watch somebody weave that, 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 weave that web of magic. I mean, it's fantastic. And then we've all had people where they're like, okay, you just killed your own story there. It's, it's a bit brutal. <laughs> and 
here's one of the things that I see people struggle with, and actually this is where I would struggle too in a storytelling is knowing how to knowing how to knowing how to start and knowing how to finish in in the right way. You know, too often when I hear people telling a story, I'm like, you're now telling me that you're about to tell me that you're going to tell me a story. <laughs> and then with the ending, it's kind of like it, it kind of dribbles away in, a, in an anticlimax. I'm like, are, are, we still, are we still telling the story or is it over? Or wait, what happened? <laughs> so how, how do I start strong and how do I finish strong, Nancy? Yeah, I love that question. And I, 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 there are ways to sit and construct a story and resonate. I actually put the whole, well, a, a miniaturized version of the hero's journey, one put together by, right. Chris, yeah, by Chris Vogler, where it's a 12-part story structure. And there's a certain way you construct the moment. You make a decision to jump into this messy middle in the moment. How do you shape what you went through while you were in the middle? And how do you shape the arrival story, which is like you, you, you return back to your ordinary world with a new elixir, a new skill, a new power, a new strength that you didn't have, have you, had you not gone through the right. hardship. So it, it is just sitting down with models and tools. People could even find it on our website. First, get this construct right. Get the structure of the story right. Mm-hmm. And you can always tell a first-person story from a place of conviction and vital, visual vitality, right? You could actually be very descriptive at moments that are important because you lived it. Yeah. It's harder to tell a super fascinating third person story. Uh-huh. That's just it. Just doesn't come across as weak. People can do it, but it's, you, you have to be pretty good to make those um, do real well. And then there's the delivery. It's it's pausing. It's it's the setup and release. The setup and release. You create suspense just in the order in which you unveil the insights. Some people just state state it. They, it's like they're describing a painting instead right. of re embodying the moment of um, you know what it felt like to be going through it. So yeah, there's some structure and delivery. Yeah. Can you give me an example of a setup and a release? Cause you know, when I, when I am training people to be facilitators, Mm-hmm. If there's one thing that I repeat endlessly is more texture, please. Like more of the yeah. light and the dark and the the the, the loud and the quiet and this and that kind yeah. of find a find a rhythm, find some pattern so that as an audience you're kind of like you're never quite sure what I'm moving into. Mm-hmm. Set up and release sounds like a similar concept around a a, a tension and a rhythm to it. But w- yeah. what, what does it sound like or look like in real life? Yeah, we call it, you can call it texture or contrast. We can call it being dynamic, right? So there's multiple levels of dynamic. Have the content be dynamic. Have your delivery be dynamic. So what's interesting is there's so much you could do with structure, right? The Mm -hmm. the rise and fall of the structure itself. There's also ways that you can do that with your physical body, your your, physicality of it and your vocal variety. And what I did is in the vision meeting January, which feels like a long time ago now, we cast this really cool vision and and people were so excited about it which doesn't happen that often in an right. everyone's running a hundred different directions trying to make that new vision come true it's been the it's been our finest hour which has been totally fun but what I did is one of my coaches I worked with which here I'm supposed to be a communication expert and she goes Nancy I'm like you know I feel like I'm saying a lot of great stuff and people never applaud I could say and everyone gets a Christmas bonus and, <laughs> and people just sit there right. and um, and she goes Nancy it's because you don't set it up and release it well and then you don't pause and she goes we're all showing respect and we don't want to clap I'm like you're kidding so in that vision meeting I had her just I said right I I pointed to the six places I wanted someone to feel 
Now, sometimes it might have been scared or suspense. Here I want yes. them to clap. Here I think they should be laughing or here I think they should think that was fun. And so I couldn't believe it. We walked it into the script and I went 10 minutes over because of the applause. Then oh, I never so on an internal meeting and it was all the setup and release and the pausing. Mm-hmm. And I just had to identify the moments I wanted them to feel a certain way. And then I just, in the past, I would just keep rambling right through it and not yeah. give them the space they needed. Yeah, it was so fun. Oh my That's God. That's great. I yeah, love it was, that. I'll, I'll give you my best tip for getting applause, which is when you, when you pause, what you do is you literally have your hands open and then you just bring them together. So you kind of clasp your hands oh. and, and you trigger people into following that example. So it's yeah, mimicry. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, so you just yeah. go, ta-da, and then you pull your hands together and everybody's like, oh, for some reason my hand, oh, I'm cla- I didn't even know how, why I'm clapping. It's, it's a miracle. <laughs> That whole piece around priming people so that you show them what you want from them um, and show them what they want for themselves. And you're like, I'm giving you permission to clap because I'm kind of role modeling it for you. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Um, Is there anything particular or different about storytelling in a time of crisis and a time of anxiety? Is um, I just, just how you, sorry, how you, how you would approach it, how you think uh, about uh, how often you tell uh, them, I mean, do you need to kind of amp it up? Do you need to go, I, we really need these types of stories above and beyond out, all else? Yeah, I, I think it, it's a lot about the emotional fuel, but yeah. I was just talking to a friend of mine who, and we were talking about what is the narrative that the, like business, I'm, I'm assuming some of most of the listeners to this yeah. will be maybe business people. Each business has its own narrative of a story going. Mm. Like each of them has a plot going right now. Right. And that plot might be, uh, oh, I, I'm in a triage story or well, I'm in, I'm in an assessing story. Like it's so foggy. I'm in a, this loop of trying to assess what to do, or I'm in a pivot story. Oh my God, I'm, I'm going to move and shape something different and be okay. Or you're in an investing story, which is like, man, I'm going so hot in this crisis. I'm going to go, go, yeah. go right there. So you got to understand the bigger narrative that you're in. So that's the context. You could call that your epic tale, right? As you tumble yeah. through time. What is, what is the narrative that I'm in? Nice. So there's the bigger narrative or the big theme I'm in. And then there's stories to tell within that narrative that need to be told. So there's things about, uh, you know, making your customers understand where you're at. What's the right, you've got an inbox full of COVID memos from mm-hmm. people you haven't heard from for 10 years. And they all <laughs> say the same thing. Whereas mine right. is like, I'm, I'm sending notes to customers that just, uh, you might need a hug. You know, I'm right. not asking for anything, but it's like, hey, hey, we're fine. We're going to be here when this is over. Just wanted to say the ones that are solving it, just saying, thanks for helping solve it. Or I'm Mm. not going to go on and on about the fact that I'm having my employees wash their hands. Of course I am. So there's like, what is the narrative and what is the energy you need to show up in that narrative? And then what's the right story to be telling? Yeah. So it's, it's situational. And then who is the audience that's hearing it? Cause you might tell that if you're in a triage story, you're going to have a different message to your employees that might be different than your investors that it's, it's supporting the same narrative, but you wouldn't approach an investor with the exact same story. You would have, it would be the same message, but it would be a different story than you might tell to your employees. And it might be a different story that you go home and cry to your wife about or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, So it's, it's just, you got to know. That's so helpful, Nancy. I mean, just understanding, you know, you, you kind of, you, you pick your epic, you pick your audience and then, then you, you pick your tone and then the same data can show up in completely different ways, depending on how you put those combinations together. 
Yeah, it is. It's nested. I like to call it like nested narratives. Right. right? There's the narrative and nested within the broader narrative are these sub sub stories that support the broader narrative. Yeah. 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 It is. um, It's clear (laughs) that we, I really want to just interview you for about four and a half days so we can really (laughs) unpack so much of this, but we don't have time for that. Even, even a long form podcast, four and a half days is too long. Um, so thank you so much for bringing so much of your expertise here. For people who are like, how do we get more Nancy? How do we get more Duarte? Where do they find you? Oh, that's nice. Uh, Duarte.com. I'm on Twitter at Nancy Duarte and on at Duarte. I, um, we have Facebook. We have, um, I'm active on LinkedIn. So I do connect to anyone who connects to me on LinkedIn. Nice. And that's it. Yeah, and of course, um, your book's available at assorted bookstores online and offline as well. And yeah. um, and I have yeah. another book that uh, is free. It's called Slide Docs, and it's at slidedocs.com. And that one oh, cool. is really good too, yeah. So I did not know that. about that. Mm-hmm. I'll be going and checking that out immediately. Thank you. <laughs> Nancy, you are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this Best of MBS interview. Want more great content? Head to mbs.works. There you'll find MBS's new podcast, Two Pages. You can learn about his best-selling books, and you can join the newsletter. That's mbs.works.